Welcome back to our big broadcast, Coast to Coast, Barlow to Barlow on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, the brand new Jiggy Jaguar app available in the App Store, or go to JiggyJaguar.us, or go to JiggyJaguar.com, the all-new JiggyJaguar.com. We are slowly but surely making upgrades to the website and everything else. Uh, Welcome back to our big broadcast. Still to come in our broadcast day, we have, of course... Donna Carol Voss coming up at the bottom of the hour, and uh, a uh, another great guest from our good friends over there at Promotion in Motion, Mr. Erwin Zucker, has gotten us a uh, an interesting guest for our next segment. But in this segment, we have got a fantastic, fantastic guest, and uh, Dennis joins us here on the line. He is fantastic, and uh, Dennis, first of all, give us a little bit on your background, my friend. Um, yeah, well, listen, uh, first of all, I um, I. I've listened to your uh, previous guest. He was really good, Pete O'Shea. So yes. I, uh, I, I, I um, say, go for it. Get on Amazon and buy his book. He sounded terrific. Um, yeah. Well, this is a. Um, I, I've, you know, I spent a lifetime in other work, and <clears throat> and uh, my last, my last job was, I uh, was executive director of the SS Jeremiah O'Brien, in San Francisco. And um, for four years, and it's a World War II Liberty ship that's birthed on Fisherman's Wharf, and it's a tourist attraction, and uh, it sails, it still sails. It's, it's got a terrific history. But I was started to write a book and about Vietnam, and um, I I couldn't get, <laughs> you know, I got about halfway through in four years. So I said, you know, if I'm going to finish this book, I've got to probably uh, figuratively jump ship. So <laughs> I did, and... Um, Came back here about four years ago to my house. I'm sitting here, uh, in fact, in my office with my wife and a cup of coffee and a Snickers bar, uh, in anticipation of Halloween tonight. Um, and um, and so I finished that book and um, started to write a few others. So um, um, the book that we're going to talk about is called The Custer Conspiracy. Yes. And it's my third book. Now, uh, Dennis Collar joins us today. He is the author of the recently published mystery thriller, The Custer Conspiracy, and uh, it is absolutely amazing. Uh, Just forget about everything you've learned about Custer's Last Stand, because in this reimagined world created by our guest today, the truth has been concealed for the past 141 years, and... uh, Dennis joins us here on Skype Audio. Now, um, without giving away too much of the story, tell us a little bit about the book and some of the main characters. Um, well, it's, um, as you said, it's my third book. It's a, it's a third book in my Tom McGuire uh, mystery th- series. Uh, Tom is a, an SFPD homicide inspector, you know, kind of the world-weary, cynical type of guy, but good at what he does. And... Um, this is a just shameless self-promotion here, but it's, as I say, it's my third book. And, you know, it's kind of a Dan Brown, Da Vinci Code kind of book. It's, uh, you know, it starts out with the main character, uh, Tom McGuire. He gets a phone call from, you know, a college history professor he's known for 20 years or so. And the professor tells McGuire that he's come up, he's come up on a secret about George Custer and uh, the Battle of Little Bighorn. And if it's true, um, you know, it'll force a rewrite of the past, uh, you know, 141 years of world history. So the professor, they, he needs just a few kind of, to find out just a few more things, so he's going to visit the battlefield. And he asks uh, McGuire to uh, to meet him up there, and he'd tell him what he was, you know, what he had found and, and um, 
and so on. And so they set a date about a, you know, a week later, and early in the morning, McGuire goes up there. He's driving in the battlefield. He can't find, uh, can't find his friend. Um, kind of walks around. He walks up the hill uh, of, you know, Last Stand Hill, and, and he finds his friend, um, uh, you know, laying at the bottom of the memorial obelisk, you know, with the back of his head shot off. And, you know, federal law enforcement agencies, you know, it's, it's a federal land, and so McGuire expects the murder, of, you know, the murder of his friend, and, and um, you know, FBI or somebody, park, park police, uh, some federal agency will get involved in looking for the guy's murderer, and, and uh, but federal agencies are told to stand down, and, and um, you know, it's a local matter. Let the sheriffs take care of it. Well, McGuire... You know, wasn't about to stand down. So he's he's that kind of guy, right? So, so you know, the the mystery part is finding who killed the professor, and um, and you know that goes on. And the thrower part is that um, you know maybe maybe Custer didn't die. Maybe what the professor found was um, you know a secret that will change the last 141 years of uh, of history. So that's how that's how it starts. And and um, you know it was a it was a fun fun book to to write. So we've got I just reimagine you know, what would happen if it, hey, didn't die there. Right. That's so. absolutely, absolutely amazing. We've got a, a great guest with us today. Joining us today here on Skype audio, the fantastic, fantastic Dennis caller. He has got a great book out there. Now, um, your book seems to be stealing the hearts of reading enthusiasts everywhere. What elements did you draw upon to develop some of the main characters of this book? Well, the number one is, uh, McGuire is uh, this is my third book with McGuire, so I, I I know him pretty well uh, as the cop. Um, what what was interesting about just kind of the background, the backstory of the Custer. I've always been kind of a Custer file myself, and um, you know, and and he you know he, he's he's one of the most misunderstood peop- personages in history. Actually, I, you know, at least in my view, um, he um, you know he was last in his class at West Point, uh, but he turned out to be a very good cavalry officer in the Civil War, and he made, um, you know, Brevet General when he was, like, 23 years old, and, and um, you know, some historians contend that George Custer, if he hadn't, you know, he was one of the real keys of winning the Battle of Gettysburg, because his cav- cavalry defeated Jeb Stewart's uh, cavalry and, um, and helped the Union win, um, you know, assist in, in Pickett's charge. So, you know, Custer was a national hero coming out of the Civil War, and, and um, so I thought, well, you know, I, you know, you hear all of what's happened at Little Bighorn and how he made mistakes and how he was a SOB kind of guy and, you know, full of himself. And, I, you know, I'd read a lot about him, and I'd never – but I wanted to see the battlefield. So I go up to the battlefield, um, and it turns out, you know, it, is, it, it, it was not quite like I expected. I mean, I wanted to see these kind of rolling planes and – you know, remember the Errol Flynn movie? They died with their boots on, and and um, and it was you know it was about a quarter mile square area, a very small area, and he had 210 troops, troopers, and and himself 211, and you know, and he just got run over. I mean, I bet you that battle lasted 25 minutes, and uh, and all of them got killed. There are no survivors, so nobody quite knows what happened there. But anyway, it was interesting for me. I, I you know, I, I was interested in kind of the strategy. What did, why, why, why did he do this as opposed to that? And and uh, so, you know, I looked around, and then I went down to, they have little museums, they call them, surrounding the national park. 
and they kind of sell tchotchkes and stuff. So there was a there was a um, uh, under glass there was in one of these museums there was a life insurance policy, uh, at least a, a, a copy of a life insurance policy, written in 1871 from New York Life on the life of George Custer for five thousand dollars, which in today's world would be like five hundred thousand. Now it was done four years before the battle, and it had. And when he wasn't the only general in there that was mentioned, they, I guess, four of them took took out the policy on their own lives. But I started thinking, well, you know, wow, I'd never heard that before, and, and in all my readings, and and I thought to myself, well, what if this, what if this life insurance policy would have been written two months before the battle, and only George Custer's name is on there, and um, and then so why would he? Do, what, what what would happen then? Well. Let's say he decided he could get out of it. I know he knew the battle was coming, and he could fake it in such a way that he didn't have to go. And, um, you know, and he would, you know, since there were no survivors, they would say Custer died, and, and um, you know, and he'd walk away with 500000 He and his wife Libby probably go live in France for the rest of his life. So that's how it started out. That was, that was kind of my, my <laughs> lead-in, you know, so... Um, but then, you know, then you think, start thinking about it and you say, yeah, but you know, it's 141 years later. Who the heck would care? I mean, so what, you know, so he, let's, let's say he did live, who cares? So I had to bring it into the modern, into our modern world, you know, that there was, there were people back then who wanted Custer dead and, um, and for reasons, for reasons that have repercussions in our own time. And that's, uh, that's where I made up. We've got Dennis Collar with us today. He has got a fantastic mystery thriller. It's called The Custer Conspiracy. And he joins us today here on our iHeartRadio presentation and uh, also uh, joins us live. Uh, now, uh, what kind of reactions have, have you been getting to the book so far? Because I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have been giving you all sorts of different reactions to the book. <laughs> this is really true too. I, I, in some ways, I expected it, you know, because there's a, you know, there's a real small group, but it's a, it's a very focused group that follows Custer every foot of the way in his whole life. They know exactly what he did, where he did, blah, blah. and you know, and I, so I get, I do get letters from saying, "Oh, come on, Custer conspiracy." You know, some people say, you know, the jerk, you know, he, he deserved what he got, and, you know, he was a guy that, you know, ran off the Indians, and so he got, you know, and so good for him, and what conspiracy, blah, 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 and, and other people who, you know, have been, you know, at the battlefield and seen, you know, and, and you know, and, and the eyewitness, there, there are no eyewitnesses account. The, the thing is, is that all of those guys that died that day got really brutally mutilated, you know, it was just kind of the Indians' spiritual cult, culture, actually. I mean, his brother, um, his brother Tom, was there, and um, the only way they could identify Tom's body was by a tattoo on his right arm. It was so he was so badly mutilated, and so and as as pretty much they all were, except <laughs> it turns out George Custer. You know, so the cavalry comes up and they find Custer's body kind of pristine. You know, a bullet hole in the head and a bullet hole in the chest, and. We're, you know, so conspiratorially, we're led to believe that Custer's was the only body found, you know, that they could identify. Nobody else they could identify. I started thinking, hmm, wait, wait a minute here. So, in you know, in my imagination, all bodies were mutilated. They couldn't tell who was who. And, um, you know, somebody was wearing a white buckskin coat, and they just assumed that was Custer. So, 
we'll never know unless you read my book. Anyway, <laughs> the Custer people were uh, were not, uh, you know, they they didn't break down Amazon or Barnes and Noble to buy the book. I'll tell you that. But otherwise, it's gotten it's gotten good reviews. It's won a couple of awards, and and it, and it's a fun read. You know, it's what I do is unlike your former guest you had on before me, I mean, who who really writes serious stuff about life and how to you know live your life. Mine are escape books. You know, they're they're I, I, you know, they're they're not war and peace. They're they're books that you you know you read before you go to sleep at night and probably keep you up all night because they they do tend and I write like this to you know keep you reading so they're 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 the epitome of the stay up all night page turner or if you're you know traveling on a airplane coast to coast and you want to read a book this will this will be exactly what you want to do that's it's a fun awesome. read that's awesome and yeah Dennis Kohler with us today. He's got the Custer Conspiracy. It is a fantastic, fantastic read. What do you want readers to take away from your writing, my friend? Well, here's, you know, I'll tell you what the, if I can, this answers your question, but kind of obliquely. You know, when you, when you ask yourself, you know, who is it that, why would we care 141 years later? So that's, that's how I started out the conspiracy, right? So I had to find out, so, so how, how, what would I do? How, how, where would I get that? kind of information. So I started looking at, and historically now, who, who um, benefited from Custer's death? Who was it that benefited from Custer's death? I mean, you know, and the Calvary. So the, the fact is, in the his, historically, you know, Custer got killed June 25th, 1876. Nine days later, July 4th, 1876, is the centennial of the country. And the East Coast is, is building... Uh, stages and 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 you know every mayor and every governor of every state in the union, especially in the East Coast, you know they're having centennial celebrations. And July Fourth, July Fifth, um, the news of Custer's massacre hits the West, the East Coast, and all of that jubilation turns into real anger, and the people, the actual people, demand the government rearm the military you know, get more people in and, and go get those Plains Indians. And, and that's exactly what happened, you know. And, and within two years of Custer's battle, most of the Plains Indians, they were either on reservations or they were dead. And so who benefited from that? Well, lots of people, it turns out, um, because um, if there was no Plains Indians then, or they weren't on the Plains anymore, you know, all the land in this country west of the Missouri River opened up to um, to settlers and railroads and, you know, and, you know, name it. And then they, you know, discovered gold and all that stuff. And, um, you know, um, and, and I'll tell you another group that, and this is where I take my book, another group that really, really um, benefited were arms manufacturers because, the country at the time, you know, we had two million men under arms in the Civil War, maybe more than that, but only 50,000 of them at the time of Custer were in the military at the time of Custer because the, the country is, was virtually broke after the Civil War. And, um, um, and what happened is when the people were so angry at Custer's death and forced the country, the government, to rearm, 
arms dealers all of a sudden became became very rich and and you know if you want to take it even further in history 1876 Custer's troops were shooting with single shot rifles right they weren't wow. muzzle loaders but they were single shot even the Indians a lot of the Indians had repeaters but Custer's all of Custer's troops had single shots 20 years later in eight, was it, nine, uh, 1898, 97, the United States is in, in a battleship, is lobbing five-inch shells on the Spanish fleet in Manila Bay. And I'm thinking to myself, 20 years, it only took 20 years for that kind of armament to be, uh, to be built, and so on. I mean, I, so I said, yeah, that makes sense to me. Arms dealers. <laughs> so they became my, and I and I started wondering, you know, in this in our day and age, every every <laughs> every village in country aside from America, they they they're, they're armed with AK forty sevens, all of them. I'm saying, boy, somebody's getting really rich. Every terrorist in the world, you know, and there's a gazillion of them carry AK forty sevens. So so uh, it just. You know, anyway, blah, blah, blah. So my conspiratorial <laughs> mind went crazy. <laughs> We've got a great guest with us today. Uh, we welcome to our broadcast here the author of The Custer Conspiracy, Dennis Collar, and he's with us today. He is a uh, member of the Naval Order of the United States, the Navy League, the Military Writers Society of America, the California Writers Club, the Independent Book Publishers Association, and is on the board of directors of the nonprofit uh, Bethlehem Shipyard Museum in San Francisco. Now, okay, um, the Independent Book Publishers Association. The I, I've I've heard of this. Erwin um, Zucker, one of my good buddies, constantly talks about the Independent Book Publishers Association. Tell us a little bit about this organization. Well, they're a great group. It's a national organization. It's an independent IBPA they go by, and. Um, they're an association, uh, mostly of well, of, of 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 people like myself, writers, but also people who deal with writers. And there's a whole industry surrounding it. You know, people uh, do your book covers, they edit your books, uh, they um, have contests all across the country, um, they have classes, uh, and and so the IBPA is kind of the 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 middle ground for all of that. So we all kind of put our talents, hopefully in my case anyway, but in, you know, uh, in, into the association and, um, and we all learn valuable, valuable lessons. You know I mean? I'm, I'm, a, I'm essentially a novice at this stuff. You know I mean? I, I haven't, I've been doing it four years. I, you know, I was in college. I, I taught in college and blah, 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 you know, but still this is a whole different profession. And, and um, I, a lot of it I just didn't know, you know. And, 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 and the IBPA, Independent Book Association, is, you know, not even, <clears throat> is, is, a, a, is a group for the authors like myself, and there's a gazillion of us, who don't get picked up by the five corporate uh, publishers in New York. <clears throat> so we're independent. You know, I'm, a, I'm, a in, I'm an indie writer, as we call ourselves. And... Uh, you know, um, and and the IBPA gives us a home. That's that's a big thing. They give us a home because it it does feel, you know, somewhat lonely. I have a a press 
myself that uh, publishes my books. Um, but other people have harder time than I do getting the books published because, you know, it's, um, you know, the bookstores are, you know, the, the James Patterson and <clears throat> Grisham and Clancy and all those guys, you know, they're mainstream published and they have all that money and, and publicity behind them. And we don't. That's why I love to talk to you, <laughs> because it does get, you know, your name out there. And, and um, you know, we've done pretty well with book sales. And, uh, you know, so I'm proud of it. And um, but, but New York still didn't want to touch it. So we've got it's, a uh, great guest with us today. Dennis Culler joins us on Skype audio. He has the Custer Conspiracy. It is a fantastic, fantastic <clears throat> read. And uh well, if if people want to get a hold of you online or social media, how do they do that exactly? If they were go- want to correspond with you, my friend. Yeah, well, I have a my website. I, you know, it's just Dennis Kohler, D E N N I S K O L L E R dot com. Um, you can leave messages there. I I respond to everybody who writes. I write a blog there, and um, uh, you know, and you know, you can go to you know get the books. You can buy them on Amazon and. We even sell them on our on our website um, because I'll autograph them for people who want to buy them off my buy them off the website, and and we take master charge and all that kind of stuff. And I'll autograph and uh, personalize it, so it's kind of a perk if you go there to rather than going to Amazon. But it's uh, so yeah, that's uh, we're you know we we do the full Monty. <laughs> it does uh, keep you busy trying to do all this stuff, but. Anyway, it's it's a it's a great listen for all the would be writers out there. I would I would uh, suggest that they you know take a turn if you're you know if you have a good story to tell or history or whatever memoir even there's a ton of people doing memoirs now. Um, give it a shot, you know. Um, almost anybody can get published. I mean, it hardly costs a thing, you know. Now I'm not talking about book covers and and editors, but I mean, if you just wanted to write an ebook and you know and get it on on kindle you know it costs you about 50 bucks and um and so it's worthwhile you know your family can buy something and and, uh, and a lot of people start off that way so it's pretty interesting i mean the whole book business i give talks about that the, the book business is really uh, interesting i mean it all it's just it's so it's intricate it's uh amazon and e and ebooks and Print on demand have just revolutionized the business, and it's it's and, and the revolution, you know, they, they, you know, has taken place in the last twelve years. Have you ever I mean, heard it of? Is a, it, l- 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 listening to all this, my friend, yeah. it it triggered something. Uh, my my good friend Frank Catolo always says, when the doors open in your head, don't don't shut them, just lean them closed. Um, yeah. I I I had a door open in my head when you were just sitting there talking about all this. Have you ever heard of the La Jolla Writers Conference? You know, I have. I, I've never because you would never, be perfect uh, for for what Richard Kurtz and Antoinette Kurtz are. Uh, doing down there just just all the philosophy and everything on on book publishing and writing and everything just sitting there listening to that i thought if you haven't we need to get you hooked up with those people yeah no i haven't and i would love to get hooked up with them i um you know i try to do the the the, you know the big problem for people like myself and if you start writing or anybody starts writing is 
um, you know, books are my product, you know, so I have to, <laughs> I have to keep getting new pro- new product out there. It's like if Ford didn't, you know, produce a new car for three years because they were trying to sell their old, their inventory off, you know, they'd be dead. So I have to keep doing that while I'm doing a lot of other things. And, and, um, and see, like the La Jolla Writers Conference, if, listen, I would, you know, if you, if you, Point me in the direction of where to go. I would yes, get, those get, get my a, get my email from uh, okay. from your from your press people and uh, okay. send me an email and I'll get you hooked up with with Richard because uh, I I think you would be perfect for uh, for what they're doing over there. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, and it's it's um, I, I'd love to do that. Obviously. Now, so. getting getting back to your book here, give us the yeah. uh, profile of the typical reader who's going to love your book. Um. There, there would be, um, let's see, the genre would be mystery slash thriller, right? So it's not just a, it, it, thrillers, what, what it means in the, in, in the book business, thrillers are, um, have something more, um, I don't want to say catastrophic, that's not the right word, but, but global. It, it, you know, so it's not just a murder in your own backyard and you have to find out who did it and so on and so forth, and, and which, you know, the Agatha Christie. But this, these things, the thriller part is because there's something larger like like in the custer conspiracy there is a conspiracy that happened 141 years ago and is still existent today because um a fan you know anyway rich and powerful people right um so so it, my genre I'm, the book i'm writing right now is is actually going to be a mystery you know it's it's with mcguire in san francisco somebody gets killed he just a cold case it's it's going to be much like um, you know Harry Bosch, you know who's a hero of mine, by the way. Uh, I can't remember his name, but anyway, so uh, he's a. Um, that's uh, where I'm going with this. I'm sorry, I'm mumbling, but uh, it, it's mystery. Um, people who like mysteries would do this. Thrillers would do this. The David Baldacci uh, kind of book. Um, um, Vince Flynn kind of book, um, not Jack Reacher, not Lee Childs. I'm not that good. He's great. He's one of my favorite authors. Um, but it's you know it's listen it's they're they're very fast moving, um, very um, you know they're they're stay up all night page turners and I do that on purpose. My chapters are four maybe no longer than five pages. <laughs> they just go, 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 go. So it's, you know, that's just my style. It's a heck of a deal, my friend. I'll, I'll have yeah, to say. <laughs> now, as we wrap up here, uh, what's yeah. next for you as an author? Well, I am, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I should have been finished my uh, fourth book by now, but I'm not. Um, but I hope to have it finished uh, and edited by the first of the year. Um, and I, I haven't even got a title yet. It's, um, but it will be a, a police procedural mystery, uh, much more traditional than what I've done before, um, and much more interesting in my view. It's uh, I, I'm having a lot of fun writing it uh, because it is a different kind of story, um, and um, you know it's got some political intrigue in it. But but mostly it's about a story that of a woman who gets killed and. You know, murdered in san francisco in 2007 and 
the story takes place in San Francisco in 2010, um, and um, you know her murder wasn't her murder or murderers weren't caught, and she became a cold case. But but it was a time in San Francisco, which just happens to be true, that 2008, 2009 had so many homicides in San Francisco that a lot of them just fell through the you know felt that they they only solved they only brought to trial 37% of them and that's because most of them were drugs and gangs which were really prevalent in the city in those years and it just overwhelmed the homicide department so that woman was killed during one of those things and she has a relative who calls uh, my hero Tom McGuire and says you know you guys know who did it come on you're just you're just uh you're just you don't want to you don't want to get you don't want to, you know, maybe they must have had a friend in the department. So McGuire takes that badly, and he said, you know, our, our people are not like that. And so he gets the case reopened, and now he's looking into it. Fantastic. So, Fantastic. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, I'm having I'm really a lot, of, a lot of fun writing. In fact, I, I was, uh, right before you called, I was in my house, I, I was uh, putting in my uh, my phone as a memo, do this in the book. Do this in the book because I'm I'm about three quarters of the way through, and you know I know how it's going to end. But but you know now I'm thinking. Let me see if I put this little tick in there. You know that'll be interesting to the reader, and this will be interesting. It makes the book better and blah blah blah. So <laughs> it's it's funny as you go through the the process of writing it. Well, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for coming on the program, hey, my friend. Hey, partner, I appreciate you having me. I really do. Uh, you got a you got a great program. I'm you're, you've got a listener now. I appreciate it, and like I said, uh, follow up with me on that uh, on that email, and I'll get you all that information. Good, my man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, and, brother. Uh, thank you for the, uh, your audience listening to this. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Have yourself a wonderful day. We'll talk soon. Thank you, you too. man. Appreciate okay, bye bye. That, of course, was Dennis Kohler. We've got more coming up. The Custer Conspiracy is available right now. It's Bill Golden Yard.